Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. We have spent the last few months in a series of messages about growing deep. And uh, in the series, we've looked at these five core areas that helps us develop into spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith, uh, becoming more mature believers in Jesus Christ. Over the past couple months, our focus has been on uh, this area of kingdom of priests. Uh, so we've, we've really kind of highlighted or zeroed in on this idea that there's not a great division between clergy and laity, pastor or parishioner. First uh, Peter chapter two, verse nine is a, is a core verse or a main verse that we've been looking at that communicates this idea. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, when we think about the roles that exist within the church, there tends to come this separation, clergy, laity, pastor, or parishioner, uh, those who are called and those who are not. And it's not something unique to our modern era. This is something that even went back to Jesus's time. I think it's interesting that when Jesus called his disciples, he called them from all different vocations. So they weren't uh, students who uh, were, were looking to uh, enter into ministry. They were people who had, they were, they were men who had different vocations and in, out of those vocations or uh, with those vocational backgrounds, he called them to follow him and that he was going to be their rabbi. And so Jesus began this process of breaking down these divisions, clergy, laity, uh, a higher tier of those who are called and those who are not called. And when he was bringing the kingdom, he, he was bringing the kingdom for that day. It wasn't just something in the future. Uh, again, this idea that the kingdom come, yes, it would, it would be some future tense uh, idea that the kingdom would come to earth, but Jesus was uh, breaking down that idea and introducing, especially in his prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer, uh, but he's showing his disciples how to pray. And one of the key verses in that, or one of the uh, key statements, maybe is a better way to say that, is that he says to the Father, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, even as it is in heaven. So it's a shift from this idea that someday the kingdom of God would come to earth and it's a, a future tense reality that God's kingdom would come, but and, and only when things were perfect would the kingdom come and, and make everything kind of settled and, and right in the view uh, of God. But Jesus's viewpoint was that we should pray, we should actively participate in bringing the kingdom to come to earth, even as it was happening in heaven above. And so this prayer that Jesus was teaching wasn't just for some people, it wasn't just an elite group, it wasn't just for clergy, he was present or priests, it was for this idea that all of us as his disciples, all of us who follow him should be praying this prayer. We should be in this mindset or this idea that we want the kingdom of God to come to here on earth even as it has come in heaven above. So this is really critical for our understanding as we think about our discipleship and being followers of Jesus, that we are not different and there's not a separation 
from those who are called and those who are not, those who are doing God's work and those who aren't called to God's work. The reason it's so critical is because it's going to change your life. It's going to change the way I approach life. It's going to change our church. And as a result, it's going to change the community and the world around us when we believe and understand that the kingdom can come here on earth even as it's happening in heaven above. So we are called to bring this kingdom life. So here's two things that I'm going to highlight in today's message that I think are really game changers for you, for your life, and also for the life of Jesus's church. Uh, number one, you have a calling on your life. And I know I addressed this in a previous message, but I want to take a different approach and have us look at it just to solidify this idea. You have a calling on your life. And two, you were created to do God's work that you are actually created. You have not only the ability, but this is inherent, intrinsic within you, is to do God's work. So these are big statements, and I know, uh, you know for some of you, you're, you're already accepting and you're cognizant of that. Others of you, maybe that feels like uh, too heavy of a statement that you're called and, and that you are created to do God's work. But I wanna pray as we begin. And uh, I believe by the time that we are done with uh, this message, I think it'll be clear for all of us, those two points are realities for us and we can live in them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word as it opens up to us. We pray that uh, we would truly hear the, the words that are in scripture, but also that we would see places where we can actively live out the scriptures that we read uh, in, in this message. Uh, I pray that we would, Lord, be energized and empowered, excited, really, to do the things that we're hearing about today, and that, Lord, it really would be a game changer for us, that it would change the way that we approach our life, that it would change the way that we address our family and the church and the community around us. And as a result, we would see the kingdom come, your kingdom come, here on earth, even as it is happening in heaven above. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we begin with a passage of scripture out of uh, Colossians. It's Colossians chapter three and uh, verses 23 and 24. And it reads like this. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. That is such a statement, that verse right there, this idea that whatever we're doing, we should be doing it as to the Lord. Whatever you do vocationally, whatever you do activity-wise, do it with vigor in your life as it is for the Lord and not for men. This is one of the single most important verses that you and I can capture out of some of the New Testament teachings is that we have this calling on our life to live out our life, that we're supposed to take hold of this concept that we're doing it not for people, not for men, but we're doing it as unto the Lord. Uh, one of the things that happens is that we tend to get our job or our sense of calling bent out of shape. Uh, we place calling on jobs and not Christ, the one who, that we're doing it for. 
So we tend to uh, label something as a calling if we view that it has significance, if it view that the job, the position, the title, or the action has meaning, then we'd say, well, that's a, a calling. That's a real uh, worthy calling that a person might have. We, again, we associate jobs with callings instead of what Colossians says here, that we should be appropriating calling to not the job, the vocation, or the activity, but we should be associating our calling to the one for whom we're doing the work for. That's a tremendous shift. That's a, that's a big difference between how many people view this, this concept of calling. So we, uh, let me phrase it another way. We tend to think that a job can inherently have a calling associated with it. Well, the problem with that is that what if the person doing the job isn't doing it as unto the Lord? There are many worthy jobs or jobs that have uh, great implications for the way that they can help people. I think of medical professions. Uh, I, I think of social work, things that interact with people and could be a tremendous blessing to people. Uh, I, even positions in, in clergy, we tend to think, well, that's a calling to be uh, a pastor or leader within the church. And yet, if you take the wrong person, a person of low character, a person who doesn't view that they're doing that as to the Lord, but they're just doing it as a vocation, the job all of a sudden doesn't have the same sense of calling to it. In fact, people can use and abuse those types of jobs in ways that harms people. And so if we associate calling to jobs as opposed to the one for whom we're doing it, we can really get it skewed or bent in a way that diminishes some roles and, and opportunities to serve and puts those down and elevates others to a disproportionate rate. Now, there are certain roles that uh, involve the church. For instance, I can use my position as a pastor and we can say, well, you're called to be a pastor. Well, I do have a calling, but it's to serve Jesus Christ, regardless of what my position is. My role as a pastor is to empower and equip the saints for service. That's a unique role within the church. There are others uh, who are called to serve those within the church. But again, I go back to this idea that we are all called, as Colossians tells us, that whatever we do, we are to do it for as unto the Lord and not just men. And so this is part of our calling. Let me give a few examples and maybe this will help you. If I work in car sales, I should be selling every car as if I'm selling it to Jesus. If I serve at a restaurant, I serve every customer as if I'm serving Jesus. If I prepare taxes, I do it as if I'm preparing Jesus's tax returns. If I'm in construction, I build whatever it is that I'm working on, I build it as if I'm going to hand over the keys, I'm going to hand, uh, hand over this work that I've been doing to Jesus. If I'm, if I'm in medical profession, I treat every patient as if I'm treating Jesus. If I'm a teacher, if I'm teaching Jesus the lesson within my classroom, if I'm serving my family, I'm serving Jesus. Do you get the idea? Do you, do you see how that changes not just the job, the job can stay the same, but it changes my approach to whatever it is that I'm doing. If I'm doing it as unto the Lord, I know in myself there's a heightened sense that I should do this with a measure of care and attention, and that I should also do it with a 
sense of life to it, that it, that it, all of a sudden it matters more than if it's just a job that I do. If it's something that I'm doing for Jesus, my service is elevated. My sense of attention to detail is increased. I want it to be the very best that it can be. I want it to be a blessing. Isn't that really the point of what we're reading about in Colossians? That all of a sudden the job is not inherently the calling, it's who I'm doing it for that makes all of the difference. When I do this, when I realize that I'm serving Jesus, all of a sudden I don't just have a J-O-B. <laughs> I'm in service to Jesus. My calling is to do everything unto him. So even if I think my boss is an idiot, or if I think that my coworkers are lazy, even if I think whatever it is that I'm doing really doesn't matter, that can really begin to shift. It can really change and flip from what I'm perceiving it as to now all of a sudden I have a calling in that place to really serve Jesus through that. I'm not doing it for them. I'm not doing it for my boss. I'm not doing it for the customer. I'm not completing this job so that I can check the task list off. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And because of that, it makes all the difference in the world. Customers are rude. Yes, they are. We recognize patients aren't the same as Jesus. No, they're not. But it's not a matter of what they are or aren't. It's a matter of who we are doing our work for. And if we're doing it as unto the Lord, then it's part of our calling. That changes so much our view of what it is that we're doing and whether or not we're called to it. So let me make this point. When I realize that my calling is to do everything for the Lord, my work and service is holy and sacred because it's for Jesus Christ. Again, when I realize that my calling is to do everything for the Lord, my work and service is holy and sacred because it's for Jesus Christ. It's not as though the job has changed. It's not as, as though the tasks that I'm doing now have some inherent meaning and value. It, it, it is that it's the same, but it's changed because my heart has changed in who I'm doing it for. We are called, we're all called to serve the Lord through whatever vocation, whatever job or title we have. Our calling is first to Christ, so whatever we do to him has the potential to be sacred. So number one, you are called because you are Christ. Secondly, this is the other thing that I want to highlight in today's message, is that you were created for work. And not just work, not just labor, you and I have been created to do God's work. We are created to do God's work. What I mean by that is that we uh, have this capacity to mimic what God has done in his creative work. And we see this in a passage of scripture in Genesis chapter 1. I want to read it for you. Genesis 1, 28. This is after God does all of his creative work. He creates man and puts him in the garden. And this is the charge or the statement that he makes about what the role is for man in the garden. It says, and God blessed them being mankind, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and, su and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. This is really the charge. This is the work that God assigns uh, to Adam in, in the garden. The main 
idea is that we mimic the same work that God has as we see throughout the early uh, part of Genesis chapter 1. God takes chaos, it says the earth was, was without form, that was void, it was dark, uh, that covered the earth. That, so there's this chaos that covers the earth. And over the series of the days, we begin to see how God shapes the earth and begins to give it not only form, but he moves from chaos to order. And not just a structural order, but a reproducing order on the earth so that there is life that is, that the earth is teeming with all of this different types of life uh, all around it, as well as in the air above it with the sun and the moon and the stars, uh, the atmosphere, the air that uh, surrounds the earth. So we see this image in Genesis 1 of God's work being taking chaos and reshaping it into something that has order and life to it. And this is really the calling that God puts on, on Adam as well. The main action that we see God giving to Adam, if we go back to that verse, he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Many times, one of the main actions we associate to what God has called us to is subduing the earth, taking control over it, but it really isn't taking control. That's not really the point of what God uh, assigned, the work that he assigned for us as humans to do. God has already taken control of the earth. He's shaped it and he's put in order a way that life can be reproduced out of it. So the work that he calls us to isn't to have to subdue it and take hold of it. It's actually to multiply what he's already started upon it. We are to be fruitful and multiply. God has created the order out of the chaos. Now we receive what he has done and then we continue to structure it and to make order out of the places of chaos. We follow his leading and we change chaos into life-producing order. And so this is the second main point I wanna make in this message. Your work is to mimic the work of God in the garden. Put an end to chaos by bringing life-producing order to your world. We don't have to come up with our work assignment. We just simply mimic what God has already shown us what to do. Whatever uh, you do, wherever you go, uh, God leads you there and you're going to see chaos. And wherever you see chaos, God is calling you to bring a sense of order to that. Now, this isn't just for those who love organizational skills. Uh, this isn't for personality types who love order and structure. This is for all of us. So when we talk about bringing order to something, sometimes it's relational order. You see relational chaos, things broken down, dysfunction that's happening, and people in disagreements and not able to ever reconcile. God calls us to go into places where there's chaos and bring order. Sometimes it is a work environment. And there's disparity between workers, inequality between uh, what's taking place in the workplace. And so God will call us where there's chaos and division that's happening and bring order to those situations. I can think of uh, one uh, individual who, the way that he brought the principles of the kingdom to his workplace, it was a car dealership, and he saw how the, the sales structure was pinning one employee against the other and there was such uh, inequality in terms of the way that sales were happening. It didn't allow people to really provide service to the customer. 
And so the way that he addressed this is he proposed a new way of doing sales at, that was more customer-centric as opposed to pinning one employee against the other or uh, trying to get a sale even at the expense of service to the customer. And so this is a, a picture, an image of bringing something out of chaos and disorder and bringing the kingdom to it so that it has more order to it. If I was to use another picture of this, I would think about myself over the past couple months, I've been spending a lot of time in my backyard. And uh, if I leave it, if I leave this patch of dirt that I've had for a while, I have no trouble at all growing a whole bunch of weeds. They just show up. That doesn't take any order on my part. The weeds will just show up. But if I want to subdue it, which is take over that space and actually have intentionality about it, one of the things that I've seen is I begin to plant things that have beauty, things that have life to them, and it changes the whole, whole uh, perspective, the whole view of what that space looks like. And uh, this has been a process that's just been coming to life to me over the past couple months as I've seen areas of my backyard go from just dirt and weed to places of real beauty and places of enjoyment where it has life producing vegetation in it, whereas before it was just chaos and, and random. So there's potential there, but I had to take control of it and begin to plant something that had more order to it. Well. You don't have to have a pastoral calling or a green thumb to be able to do these things. You have a Jesus calling. You are already called by the Lord. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And you also have God's uh, illustration, his, his modeling for you in Genesis chapter 1 to see that he begins to take things that are chaotic, things that bring injustice, things that don't bring the kingdom life to the earth and he begins to put shape to it, begins to speak to it in ways that, that life can happen in these places, that it reproduces life wherever God speaks to it. These are the seeds that God has already put into your life and the places that you go. And so you don't have to create something out of nothing you join God in his work to speaking into the chaos of life, relational chaos, physical chaos, a workplace chaos that you, that you see. He has you there to bring his kingdom to come to earth, that his will could be done in your workplace, in your family, in the community around us, just as it's happening in heaven above. Two follow-up questions then for you to reflect about and to think about. Um, are you just doing a job or are you leading a ministry for Jesus? And I will use air quotes around the term ministry because again, we think of ministry as church stuff. When I say ministry, I'm saying it, whatever you do unto the Lord is part of your ministry to Jesus. So as you think about your own role, are you just doing jobs, functions, tasks, or are you viewing yourself as his minister, your calling, and you're doing it as unto the Lord and you're leading a ministry in that place? Everything that you do has the potential to be life-producing as unto the Lord. It has the potential to be part of your calling. But that really comes back to you. Do you see it that way? And if you don't, maybe today's a good day for you to say, Lord, I bring to you my tasks. I bring to you 
the places where you have called me and you have led me to, and that is part of my calling, and I want to serve you in those places. Secondly, do you see and understand that your work mimics the work of God? That the reason that he has you, in, God has placed you in your places of employment or your family or places in your community aren't just so that you can fulfill specific tasks that they want you to do. It's because he's calling you to identify places of chaos, places where there is disorder and disunity, where there's dysfunction happening and begin to have the mind of Christ, introduce scripture, introduce prayer, introduce the, the heart of Christ and the things that he's brought into your own life and begin to reshape that culture, reshape those places of chaos and bring the kingdom of God to those places. Out of that, you can begin to see, just as Adam did, life reproducing over and over and change happen in the places where you have before just you had a job and now you have a ministry. I wanna pray for you and myself as close this message that God would help us, empower us to do those very things. Lord, we thank you for calling us that we don't just have jobs and tasks and work, but we have callings and purpose and ministry we thank you that we don't have to come up with what that ministry looks like, but you've already showed it to us from the very onset of creation of the earth that we are to identify areas of chaos and disorder and bring the kingdom of God to those places, to those relationships, to those activities that we're a part of is that we introduce kingdom justice that we introduce kingdom forgiveness, that we introduce kingdom conflict resolution, that we, that we introduce, Lord, ways to bring healing and hope out of the chaos to bring order, life-producing order. And so, Father, I pray for each of us that you'd help us to see it and then to follow through with it. I thank you that you've called us and you've empowered us, and now we are committed to being those ministers in your world so that your kingdom can come here on earth even as it is happening in heaven above. We thank you for it and we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the Lord bless you. Thank you for taking time to view this message and I pray that you will finish this time together and be ready to go into your places, your families, your workplaces, your community as one who is called and one who is bringing order out of the chaos that's happening around you. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.